0: Here's what he's saying, that when you borrow, it entwines you and unites you together with someone other than God who's going to direct your life because of what you owe them.
1: This is Treasure Truth with pastor and author James Ford Jr., senior pastor of Christ Bible Church in Chicago. I'm Steve Hiller. Glad you've joined us today as we continue our series, How to Get Out of Debt. Pastor, you bring up a great point Um, just a a moment ago. When we borrow, when we get something on credit, we are now entwined or united together with that lender. We don't get to set the, uh, the terms of how we get to handle all of our money then, because we are, in a sense, bound to that lender.
0: We're owing them something. Well, that's what Proverbs says. The borrower is servant to the lender. Uh, Now, look, you can look at your caller ID all you want. Uh, But, you know, if you're a Christian, uh, good stewardship says that we owe no man anything. And so if we owe them, we should pay them. And, of course, uh, I I believe personally uh, that when I have a debt and I don't pay it, and I'm purposely not paying it. I'm sinning mm-hmm. uh, because those people loan me the money in good faith. And uh, I uh, signed the paper on the dotted line. Uh, you give me your goods. I'll give you my money at the first of the month or at the end of the month or whenever. Uh, in this case, in this text, uh, I really find it interesting. Uh, why would God tell this widow to go and borrow pots? Because he was going to fill those pots. Now, it seems as though everyone knew what she was going through. And uh, now uh, everyone would know that God met her needs and ministered to her because of what she borrowed from them. Hmm. I have a friend. uh, he, He would answer the phone like this. He'd say, Christ is the answer. And the uh, bill collector said, "Well, I just want to know: Is Christ the answer to you not paying your bills?" Hmm. And uh, he said it convicted him, and uh, he paid his bills because he he had, he had answered it that Christ is the answer to every problem, and uh, he felt like my witness now is out there. It's tainted, yeah. yeah, yeah, and and so he he paid the bill.
1: Well, that's a great reminder that uh, we, when we do take on a debt, whether that's a financial debt or something else, we are called to honor those commitments that we've made, to pay those debts, whether that's uh, with time or with money or whatever that may look like. Uh, Because if we want to have that effective witness... Uh, for a last world around us. We need to make sure that our walk is matching our talk. Amen. And God has given us some biblical principles in his word about what that looks like in how we handle our money. Uh, so I hope you'll open your Bible and join us in second Kings chapter four, as we continue the message, how to get out of debt. Here is pastor Ford.
0: Now we know the story of Hannah, uh, Hannah, uh, was uh, a woman that was uh, uh, married to uh, a man, uh, Elkinah who had another wife, Peninnah. He had two wives. And shame on him. Yeah, that's, 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 that's what happened to him. You know, he, he deserved what he got. He had two wives. And so Peninnah she had a lot of children. Hannah had none. You know the story. Anybody not know the story? Okay, here's the story. Here's the story. The story is then she would go up to the temple and she would pray. And every year she would pray. And so this one year, Eli, the priest, sees her praying. She is praying so fervently, uh, that word cry is in that text. She's praying so fervently that, and so passionately that Eli thinks she had been drinking sham pimple. He says, you're drunk. And so it either had to be the morning or the afternoon oblation. She said, nobody gets drunk this early. And so they would pray how many times a day? Three. What are the times? That was good. Morning, noon, and night. What are the actual times? Nine, 12, and three. Thank you. So they would pray at nine, 12, and three. So this was probably nine because 12 was the heat of the day. So he, he said, nobody gets up drinking md 2020 at nine o'clock in the morning i am not drunk i am crying out of the passion of my soul well what do you want i want a child because everybody everybody know why she wanted a child okay because the greatest thing that a jewish wife could do for her husband is give him a male heir so that if you read uh uh, what the Pharisees put together in the Mishnah and the Haggadah, which were the writings of the Pharisees where uh, they added to God's ordinances and commandments. How many ordinances and commandments did God uh, give? 613. How many did they come up with? 613. So they took God 613 and made their 613 and Jesus came along and said, you've abrogated the laws of God and substituted the laws of men. Now you're evaluating people by your criteria for spirituality and not mine. And that's what happens in the church uh, when we get away from the book, when we begin to talk about, okay, women shouldn't wear pants and jewelry and all this kind of stuff. Then you set up a standard that's a false standard so that women who don't wear it and who wear long dresses here and here think that they're more spiritual than everybody else. That ain't necessarily true. Amen. Amen. So here's what she did then. He said, "Oh, oh, okay, okay, okay. So now what happens? She goes back and Yahweh, Yahweh, she says to him, let let, let me just read it. Here's what she says, uh, verse 11. And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if thou wilt indeed look on the affliction, she calls it affliction, not having a child. And some of us, after we've had them, call that an affliction. Look on the affliction of thy handmaid, and remember me, and forget not thy handmaid, but will give unto thy handmaid a man-child. Listen to this. Then I will give him unto the Lord all the days of his life, And there shall no razor come upon his head. I want you to see this. Because often we think, you know, God needs to get something from us. No, God is setting us up to bless us. He is. How's he doing that? Because God does not want to give her a child. Why? Because she has yet to come to the place where she acknowledges that when God gives her the child, it's a stewardship from God. So the Bible says that children are a heritage from the Lord. And so that means then it would be the New Testament word stewardship. So the children are only on loan to us. And I've already told you, many of you say, well, I hope he come and get them back soon. And, And so we're to train them for him. And so what does he do? He wants someone to rise up and be the first prophet in Israel. One who would be the last judge and the first prophet. And who is it? It's Samuel. But, but she's not ready to give him up yet. And so God leaves her barren. Until she recognizes that what God gives us is not just for our purpose, but for his ultimate purpose. That he never just gives us anything just to be giving us something, but it always fits within the overall plan and purpose of God. Now, she says, I want a child so bad that I will give him back to you. God said, now you're ready to get blessed. Because you're ready to give to me first. So you read the rest of the story. After she has the child, Elkina said, you going to church? She said, no, no, not yet. I'm going to wean the child. And then once I wean him, once I get him to a toddler stage, then I'm taking him and I'm giving him to the Lord just like I said. Now, what have we been talking about? You want something you're in debt, whatever it is, give God his first. Now what happens? Because she gave God his first. Well, we know, we know the power of what happened under the ministry of Samuel. Uh, the first kings were, were implemented. The school of the prophets that we looked at last week. But listen to this. Look at verse, uh, look at verse 24. When she weaned him, she took him and... Three bullocks, ephod of flour. This is a rich, rich offering. This is gratitude to God. Now, nobody told her to bring those. Uh, She brought three bullocks. Now, you go and study uh, what they would do in Israel. They only offered one on the great day atonement. This woman's so grateful because when you have gratitude to God, you will always give. Yeah, you always do that. You always do that. And so what happens? She goes and then notice what she says. Verse 28 of chapter one. Therefore also I have lent him to the Lord. As long as he liveth, he shall be lent to the Lord. And he worshiped the Lord there. Now we have Hannah's prayer. Actually, it's Hannah's praise. It's, a, it's the prayer of praise. Now we don't have time to go through it. I'm going to break into the text. And I want you to listen to this. Verse 21. And the Lord visited Hannah so that she conceived in other words there are no illegitimate children only illegitimate parents now I like the way God puts it the word visited is the same word that talks about the coming of the Messiah that Jesus will visit that Mary was visited by God so that children are a heritage of the Lord That God opens the womb and shuts the womb. That's why killing the baby is taking the prerogative of God. What would you do if you had one child born stillborn, one child born retarded, one child born with multiple sclerosis, and another one born horribly deformed, and you found out you were pregnant with a fifth child, what would you do? Would you abort it? Because if you would have aborted it, then you would have just aborted Beethoven. Yeah, what would you do if your uh, 13 year old girl was raped by somebody and she was pregnant? Would you abort that baby? If you would, then you would not have heard his eye is on the sparrow sung by Ethel Waters. Then you would have aborted Ethel Waters. On and on it goes. So, so here's my point. So he says, says, and the Lord visited Hannah so that she conceived and bare three sons and two daughters. Here's a woman who could not have children. What does she all want? Children. Okay, give me a child first. And then God opened up her womb. So then let's look at principle number two. Principle number two. Enlist the proper assistance. Notice the text. Go back to 2 Kings. Second Kings chapter four, listen to what she says. Uh, Now there cried a certain widow of the wives of the sons of the prophet unto Elisha saying, thy servant, my husband is dead and thou knowest that thy servant did fear the Lord and the creditor has come to take unto him my two sons to be bombed. And notice what she does. She enlists the proper assistance. She knows where to go to deal with her money problems. I want you to notice something in this text. Notice she didn't go to the boat. Notice she didn't go uh, to the corner store or over into Indiana and try to win the Powerball. Notice she didn't go get herself a sugar daddy and introduce her two boys to a relative that they'd never seen before notice she didn't say i've got to go get myself a special friend she didn't go to the psychic hotline she didn't even go to her neighbors you want to know why because the text says all their jars was empty too and she didn't borrow to get out of debt she didn't borrow get another credit card to use that credit card to pay off the other credit cards.
1: Well, if you ever get to that point, you know you're in trouble, don't you? You're listening to Treasure Truth with Pastor Ford, a message called How to Get Out of Debt, some real practical teaching that you may want to listen to again. You can do that by coming to our website. It's treasuredtruthradio.org. You can stream programs through your computer or mobile device. You can download MP3s for free, or you can order copies of this broadcast on CD. But get started at treasuredtruthradio.org. Back to the message. Here's Pastor Ford.
0: Let me give you some scripture, uh, you know, the consequences of borrowing from scripture. This is not exhaustive, just a few of them. The consequences of borrowing. Romans 13 8 tells us it violates scripture. So we don't have time for the discussion. We talked about should you get a mortgage, should you get a car note and all that kind of stuff. If you really want to know the plain behest of scripture, it is a command. Here's how you literally translate it. Oh no, man, anything at any time for anything. You can translate it that way. So, you know, all I can say is we just got to deal with it. We got to deal with it. Uh, Number two, it presumes upon the future. Proverbs 27.1 Proverbs 27, 1 and James 4, 13 and 14. It presumes on the future. It presumes that you're going to be alive to pay off the debt. It it presumes on on the future. You are spending uh, uh, tomorrow's money today. And some of us are saying, no, I would have spent next year's money today. So it presumes on the future. We already talked about this. It produces bondage. So the Bible says, Proverbs 22, 7, the borrower is servant to the lender. As a matter of fact, uh, uh, say abat. Abat is the word uh, that's used there. And say lava. Both of those words, abat means to entangle. Lava means to twine together. Here's what he's saying. That when you borrow, It entwines you and unites you together with someone other than God who's going to direct your life because of what you owe them. So they will determine whether you worship or not. They will determine whether you come to Bible study or not. They will determine when you have time to read your Bible, when you have time, if you have time for ministry, and if you have money for ministry They decide that. Then it causes overspending. We don't even need a scripture for that. And it demonstrates discontentment with our basic needs. First Timothy 6, 8. We already talked about it. It tells us to be content. And then finally, well, actually two more. It means we haven't learned to accept ourselves. Some of us find our self-worth in our net worth. Car we drive, the clothes we wear the houses in which we live, the neighborhood uh, from which we come, all of those kind of things. Then the last one, we talked about this as well. It interferes, it often interferes with God's supernatural provision. That sometimes God wants you to wait on him and let him do it supernaturally. So I shared with you, I got a microwave, you know, from Deacon Roussan, you know, and I just call him up. I, right now, this it, happened Sunday. A couple of the guys were movers here. Uh, they have companies. And so that, that's where Frank gets a lot of stuff. So I always call them. You have this, you have that. So I had ask them for a freezer. I need me a, a deep freezer. And, uh, you know, I went over to Sears, and they said, you know, $400 for the one I want. And I said, man. I said, Frank, is there, is there a freezer? And he said, no, but I'll talk to Mr. Perkins. So I, I saw Mr. Perkins. Uh, so I said to him right here, I said, man, man, where's my freezer? So he said, what'd you just preach on? (laughs) Wait. (laughs) That's what he told me. I said, hey, man, what you, he said, yeah, be patient for the promise of its coming. (laughs) He said, I'm gonna get, somebody's gonna give me one. Now don't go out and buy one. I said, I'm holding off, man, I'm holding off. and, And I'm gonna wait, you know, uh, but I, I was talking to my friend Kenny Grant. He resigned from his church. He's now a traveling evangelist. But anyway, uh, some of you know his story about his church. You know his story. Okay, he, he's a church planner. So this last church was the third church that he planted. He planned them, get them up to about two or three hundred, and then move on. And so he did that one with one church, then he moved on to another church built that one up, and then he moved on to this one. Well, they were contemplating buying a building. And uh, they just said, we're just going to pray and see what God is going to do. Long story short, uh, I got a chance to go down there and see it for myself uh, when he invited me to come down and speak in his church. You should see what they were given. Seats 1,500. 32 classrooms, they just gave it to him. He said, we want to come and, and worship with you. So they worshiped with them. There was only about 10 of, of, of the people who had originally had the church. So they let them come from their little building to the church and they became one congregation. However, that congregation owned the building. And they said, we're, we're dying off with Southern Baptists. And they, and they were, you know, about, about, about 10, 15 uh, whites. And uh, they finally said, you know what? You know what? Uh, we're going to sign this over to you. It's yours. He said, how much? They said, we're going to sign. Can you sign on the dotted line? But, but I, was just, I was just amazed. And I walked through that place. And I said, man, God is awesome. So then. She goes to Elisha, and here's what it demonstrates, because let, let's not get it twisted as the young people say. I don't know if they still say it, but they used to say. Let's not get it twisted. Let me tell you why. Because she goes to the man of God, and you'll hear, okay, so in other words, don't come to me. That's not what it's saying. Here's what it's saying. Here's what happens to us. Many times what congregations do is they trust the person who represents Yahweh rather than trusting Yahweh that the person represents. Let me say it again. Often what we do is place our trust in the man of God rather than the God of the man. And so she's coming to him not based on the fact that he's the man of God but based on the fact that he is God's representative that she's coming to him and she's saying listen my dependency my trust is in the Lord and and of course we we are we already have it when when you look at it what you find is her basis is found right in the text why are you going To him. You're going to him. Why? Because your husband had the two qualifications, Proverbs 34, 6 through 9. Proverbs 34, 6 through 9 and verse 15. So the base of our faith, twofold. He was faithful to Yahweh and he had the fear of Yahweh. So here was an individual. You didn't have to worry about hearing anything on the news about him nothing whatsoever. This was an individual who met the criteria of the passages that we find. So she's going to him, just 1 John 5, you know that one, 14 and 15. But if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if he hears us, we know we have the petitions that we desire of him.
1: Well, unfortunately, we do have to pause the teaching right there, but we'll continue How to Get Out of Debt on our next broadcast. If you want to make sure you don't miss it, come to the website right now, sign up to begin podcasting the program, or if you don't have it already, go ahead and get the Moody Radio app. Both the podcast and the app are free, and it makes it really convenient for you to listen on the go. You can find the app by clicking on the Stay Connected bar on the homepage. It's right there next to the Facebook and the Twitter icon, or you can look for the app at your favorite app store. Hey, before we go, just briefly, this is a listener-supported ministry, that's exactly what it sounds like. We depend on those who listen to Pastor Ford's teaching, if you're growing and benefiting from it, to give a financial gift. And you can make this program possible by your giving at treasuretruthradio.org and click on the link that says, Make a Donation. Thanks for doing that and for listening today. Treasure Truth is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.